You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Welcome back to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, friends. Uh, this is Tom, or Robots, and I normally don't intro the show like this. I uh, just wanted to Give a little disclaimer. Actually, a few things. First of all, you could probably hear it in my voice. I, I've i got a head cold. This thing is like hitting me like, I don't know, a truck. Is that the analogy everybody uses? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm toughing through it. We're going to get through this episode because we are, well, two things. It's almost Thanksgiving week here in the U.S., and I want to make sure that those of you who are traveling, visiting friends and family and things like that have something to listen to because it's a big week for listening to podcasts. And secondly, we're almost done. We're almost done with the Silmarillion. Can you believe it? This adventure that we started on over a year ago, it was like a year and a half ago to get through that entire book to basically tear it apart and look at it through a magnifying glass. And we're there. This is the very end of the book. So I'm going to be wrapping up this episode with the last few paragraphs. And they're about Gandalf and the uh, the War of the Ring and all the catastrophe. That's a wonderful word. We're going to go into that a little bit. It's going to be good. I didn't want to miss it. And thank you for being here. Also, on the Patreon, if you are one of our Patreon members, I posted a message asking about your thoughts about getting through the Silmarillion. And <laughs> I can't even say an M because my nose is so clogged up. Um, but I, I want to hear your thoughts because I want to highlight them in next week's show. I, I want to know, did listening to the show change your perspective on things? Did you find any insight? What parts were your most favorite? What did you enjoy? Uh, I want to hear more about your experience with going through this from your side of this and share some of your insights on the next episode. So please check that out. If you aren't currently a Patreon member, you're welcome to go check that out over on patreon.com slash Lord of the Rings Lorecast, actually L-O-T-R Lorecast. All right, that said, let's get into it because we've got to talk about Gandalf, everybody's favorite wizard. Here we go.
All right, so the, the very next paragraph, and there aren't too many paragraphs left. We're going to get through each of these in turn and take them apart like we normally do. It says here, now by fortune and his vigilance, Mithrandir, which is, of course, Gandalf, uh, first learned of the ring ere Sauron had news of it. So he finds out first because, well... If you've read The Hobbit, we know. Uh, Yet he was dismayed and in doubt, for too great was the evil power of this thing for any of the wise to wield, unless, like Kurunir, he wished himself to become a tyrant and a dark lord in his turn. But neither could it be concealed from Sauron forever, nor could it be unmade by the craft of elves. I love his sentence construction. This is something I mentioned before. It got me in trouble in high school because he writes these very complex sentences Places where we would normally put a period, he puts a comma or a semicolon. This is two sentences. And we need to dig into it because they're all so dense. Uh, So a few things here. He discovers the ring before Sauron does because Bilbo stumbles into it. And then he has suspicions about it. And then he studies it and finds out, okay, this in fact is when he confirms by putting it in the fire. All of that, right? We're all familiar with that. Then... We also find out a little bit more about uh, some insight into this. The, the idea that it's so evil that it's too powerful for any of the wise to wield without it corrupting them. At, unlike Kurunir, Saruman, who it is very specifically implying here, wished to become a tyrant and a dark lord, just like Sauron. That was his intention. He knew very clearly not only that the ring would give him power, but that he would in a in a in a phrase that we use a lot in the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, he would mantle the position of Dark Lord. He would become the Dark Lord instead of Sauron by doing that. And that's that's some clarity on that that we don't always get, which I appreciate. We also get a little bit of insight here about how, of course, the ring can't be unmade by the crafting of elves. And that word specifically, unmade, not destroyed, but unmade, I think is uh, the idea. The idea there is it's about crafting. It's about taking it apart. It's about undoing the power within it. It's not just about breaking it or something like that. The words are very specific. Then it says... That, therefore, with the help of the Dúnedain of the north, Mithrandir set a watch upon the land of Perianeth and bided his time. Perianeth means the land of the hobbits. Basically, it's the Shire. And, of course, Sauron has, it says he has many ears. He has people spying for him. He finds out that the ring has been found. He sends the Nazgul to go take it. And then this line, the war was kindled. And in battle with Sauron, the Third Age ended even as it had begun. A battle ended the Second Age, which began the Third Age, and again ended the Third Age. But those who saw the things that were done in that time, deeds of valor and wonder, have elsewhere told the tale of the War of the Ring, and how it ended both in victory unlooked for and in sorrow long foreseen. This is a nod to the Lord of the Rings and the idea that both J.R.R. Tolkien and Christopher Tolkien understand that you've probably read it. And if you haven't, well, there's a whole other book that you should be checking out here. Let it be said that in those days, the heir of Isildur, 
arose in the north. And, and this is the part where they recap the events of the Lord of the Rings. And he took the shards of the sword of Elendil, and in Imladris they were reforged. And he went then to war, a great captain of men. Notice that the beginning of this part of the story is about Aragorn, and specifically the reforging of the sword. This is a focus on the kingdoms of men, the people of power, the kind of things that you get in a history book, because it's not about the hobbits to the people who wrote these stories so much as it is about the continuation of the history. And of course, the hobbits come into this, but the thing that the reader would be most familiar with at this point would be the heirs of Isildur and what happened to the ring and what happened to the sword that was broken. They're, they're wrapping up that story here. That's, that's the point of this passage and the idea that Aragorn, a descendant of this line of kings that was shamed because of the inability to get rid of the ring and being basically taken down by the enemy, finally has not only the right time, but the the bravery, the courage to reemerge and claim that he is the rightful heir. And Aragorn had kind of a, a combination of all the right qualities to be that person. Um, as We'll get into this as we get into the Lord of the Rings a bit more, but this idea that he was not only a captain of men, but he was also a healer. He was also somebody who, in his bloodline, reflected the qualities of the, the greater individuals that he came from generations and generations ago. He is the fulcrum point of the story at least in the context of the way it's been framed so far, if you can think of it that way. Um, and I'm sure there are ways that you could argue against that, but uh, we're just going to go with that for here, <laughs> especially with my uh, cold addled brain right now. Um, it goes into more detail about Aragorn. He was Aragorn, son of Arathorn, the nine and 30th heir in the right line from Isildur, and yet more like to Elendil than any before him. Battle there was in Rohan, and Kurunir the traitor was thrown down, and Isengard broken. The events of the two towers, right? And before the city of Gondor, a great field was fought, and the Lord of Morgul, captain of Sauron, there passed into darkness. The, the destruction of the Lich King, right? And the heir of Isildur led the host of the West to the Black Gates of Mordor. Now, you might notice something in the section. They skip right over the battle at Minas Tirith. That part is left out. Now, my guess here would be that the driving focus being Aragorn and the combining of these armies, people coming together to fight against Sauron, it's more active. The idea that they were on the defensive in Minas Tirith doesn't fit the narrative the same way. It doesn't feel like they were taking it to the enemy if you have to talk about that part of the story, it doesn't fit the theme, if that makes sense. One of the other themes, though, is about Gandalf and his predictions, and, and I guess uh, Elrond as well, their predictions about the future and Gandalf looking for help from places where it's unexpected, from the weak when the wise falter, all of that. And the next section plays into that theme. It says, 
in that last battle where Mithrandir and the sons of Elrond and the king of Rohan and the lords of Gondor and the heir of Isildur with the Dúnedain of the north, listing out of all these peoples that have come together, again, mirroring the battle of the last alliance at the end of the previous age. There at the last, they looked upon death and defeat. They took it to the enemy, but there was just too much there. And all of their valor was in vain, for Sauron was too strong. Even without the ring at this point, he's too powerful. Yet in that hour was put to the proof that which Mithrandir had spoken and help came from the hands of the weak when the wise faltered. For as many songs have since sung, and I love that passage because it makes the point that like, oh, this story goes on. People continue to live and they sing of this day. It was the Perianath, the little people, dwellers in hillsides and meadows that brought them deliverance. And then finally, we get the story about Frodo. For Frodo the halfling, it is said, at the bidding of Mithrandir took on himself the burden and alone with his servant, no mention of Sam's name, just his servant as, say, the powerful would typically do. He passed through peril and darkness and came at last in Sauron's despite, even to Mount Doom. And there into the fire where it was wrought, he cast the great ring of power. And so at last it was unmade and its evil consumed. Notice some other omissions here. There's no golem. There's no the, the, the concept that he failed. He gets to the precipice and then claims the ring for himself and turns back. And if it hadn't been for Gollum there fighting over the ring and the evil itself destroying itself, they would have lost. But instead, just like skipping over the story about Minas Tirith, the impetus is on the actors succeeding in their goals. Aragorn returns as king. He summons all of these people to amass an army and fight against Sauron to stand against the darkness. Frodo amasses the strength within him to follow Mithrandir's guidance and take the ring to Mordor and toss it in the fire. The heroes are seen as heroes. They're not seen as failures. And yeah, you could point to the previous section where they fight at the Black Gates and they were being overrun, but that bought Frodo time. What initially would appear to be a mistake is actually a very calculated maneuver in order to buy Frodo time, and so therefore plays to Aragorn's favor as well. I mean, it's often said that history is written by the victors, and in this version of the story, it clearly feels that way. Now, I mentioned the word eucatastrophe in the intro. Eucatastrophe is a very interesting word because it's something that Tolkien himself coined as a phrase. You, meaning good, and catastrophe, traditionally meaning like the unraveling of the conclusion of like a, a dramatic plot. Catastrophes usually are seen as bad things. All the stuff comes together and the hero or the, I guess, protagonist of the story, fall, things fall apart at the end for them, right? That's a drama. You catastrophe is the opposite of that, where things come together and they actually work out in an unforeseen, unexpected way. There are biblical roots for this in the story of Christ, and there are some other details that we'll go into in the bonus episode for this week. 
And speaking of our Patreon, we've got to go thank our patrons. So let's take a mid break and then we're going to wrap up the story with the last few paragraphs of the Silmarillion. Don't go anywhere. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So first of all, thank you again to all of you for your support, for helping me get through this entire gigantic story, this big book and all of the stuff. Secondly, I I really hope that my voice is not uh, too annoying on this episode. I really wanted to make sure to get this episode out for all of you. And uh, I'm struggling through it. There's a lot of editing happening because there's a lot of... uh, Um, you're not hearing the worst of it, I assure you. So we'll try to make this as short and sweet as we can. We don't have any new patrons this week and we don't have any new reviews to read out, but we do have our VIP patrons who get called out every week. AK Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker, Aragorn III, Austin C, Azzle Razzle, Barney D, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks, Darth Feanor, David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gavin Alaf, Gemma D, Jesse P, Jokim B, Katie L, Katie S, Capenna, Larry, Lori B, Nick K, Nick L, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peace Lutheran Church, Sam B, Sauron for Life, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Turon, Turon, I almost said Turon, like Sauron, Tour son of Hur, Uh, Tyler M, thank you so much for supporting the show, and to everybody else, all of our other 175 current patrons, thank you for the support. This show has been an amazing success. I am so excited to get into the Lost Tales, some of the other stories, and eventually, I really do think that doing a read-through of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and not not a like word for word read through, like I'm not going to reread the whole stories, but to go sections of each chapter and to dig into the language more specifically and what what Tolkien is actually talking about and some of the things that get 
hinted at or reflected back from these other stories that you may not have noticed in those works. I think that might be where we're going in the next part of this show, but uh, it's going to take us a while. We're going to get through some of the other works first. It's going to be fun. We've got, I don't know, years of content to get through. So thank you for being here. I hope you continue to support the show and let's move on with the rest of wrapping up the Silmarillion. Here we go. So as we all know, Frodo's able to get the ring in the fire with the help, help, I'm putting help in quotes here, of Gollum, and with the help of Sam, of course, but, you know, the help of Gollum. And we're told that, well, Sauron fails. He was utterly vanquished and passed away like a shadow of malice. Very nonspecific, passes away like a shadow of malice. And the towers of Beradur crumbled in ruin, and at the rumor of their fall, many lands trembled. Thus, peace came again. That's interesting to me, the way that this is phrased. At the rumor of their fall, many lands trembled. The lands that are trembling are not Gondor and Rohan or the Shire or Eriador with the elves. No, the lands that are trembling are the people who were enslaved and domineered over, who had been under his thumb. Because his power is gone now. They've made enemies with the free people and they're afraid of what's going to happen next to them. I think that's the implication of this. Thus peace came again and new spring opened on earth. A new spring. That's such a good picture. And the heir of Isildur was crowned king of Gondor and Arnor. The two kingdoms are reignited by this, even though Arnor is basically destroyed at this point. And the might of the Dúnedain was lifted up and their glory renewed. In the courts of Minas Anor, the white tree flowered again. Notice the use of the old name there, Minas Anor. It's no longer the Tower of Watch because they don't need to watch anymore. Minas Tirith goes back to Minas Anor. Now, how exactly did the the tree flower again? Well, we find out. A seedling was found by Mithrandir, by Gandalf, in the snows of Mindoliun, that rose tall and white above the city of Gondor. And while it still grew there, the elder days were not wholly forgotten in the hearts of kings. This is interesting to me as well. You would assume, at least if I was writing the story, I would assume that Aragorn, much like Isildur, both descendants of the previous kings, uh, both could have been the person in this situation to have taken the, the seedling or the fruit from the tree. Isildur did it in Numenor. Why not Aragorn on this one? But no, it's Gandalf. Gandalf is the one who does this. And I think there's some symbolism to that. In this situation with Numenor, Isildur had to steal this from underneath Sauron without Sauron knowing it in order for this to work. And Isildur, and even more so his father, Elendil, were the the people doing the work, the good work, the work that the Valar would want them to, the things that Iluvatar had wanted 
the unraveling of, of the, the evil and, and the, the work towards the good. And maybe there's a clear way of saying that, but for some reason, my foggy brain is not doing it right now. In this situation, the hand that is most similar to Iluvatar himself is Gandalf. Mithrandir is kind of the guiding, holy focus of the story. So it makes sense that he would be the one to bring back the tree, the symbolism of those old days when things were going the way that they originally were intended to go. Or at least that's my interpretation of it. If you have a different interpretation of any of these things, feel free to share because I'm, I'm definitely not the be all end all of all of this. Now, what's fun about the way this story wraps up is it, it kind of wraps up with Gandalf and then, of course, the traveling across the sea stuff back to Valinor for the ring bearers. And Gandalf is given a lot of credit here. Now, all these things were achieved by the most part, or for the most part, by the counsel and vigilance of Mithrandir. And in the last few days, he was revealed as a lord of great reverence. Now, this may be referring to the fact that they didn't really know he was a Maiar or what his full extent of his power was, but it may have more to do with him dying and returning. And the the fact that that was an obvious sign that he was an important individual and a power beyond just a an old man who looks like a wizard. It says, and clad in white, he rode into battle, and not until the time came for him to depart was it known that he had long guarded the red ring of fire. Finally comes out that he is the wielder of the the third elven ring given to him by Círdan. And a few sentences later, we get some insight into why this ring particularly was so special. There's a quote when Círdan is given the, the ring to Gandalf. He says this. Now take this ring, he said, for thy labors and thy cares will be heavy, but in all it will support thee and defend thee from weariness. So it gives him energy to continue working through things. And maybe that's not just physical energy. That might be like mental resilience. For this is the ring of fire. And herewith, maybe thou shalt rekindle hearts to the valor of old in a world that grows chill. Let that sink in. The fire to rekindle hearts. Isn't this what Gandalf does throughout the whole story? He empowers the people around them to be noble and courageous in the ways of the old days. People like Finrod or even Turin. But as for me, my heart is with the sea and I will dwell by the gray shores, guarding the havens until the last ship sails. Then I shall await thee. You get a sense in this that Círdan may have also had some foresight, like Elrond did, knowing that the ring would be more valuable in the hands of Gandalf than in himself, and that his place was to make sure that there was still passage back for future ring bearers and the rest of the elves to go back to Valinor. The very last paragraph of the Silmarillion reads like this. White was that ship, and long was it a building. Not actually a building, but uh, like having been built. And long it awaited the end of which Círdan had spoken. And when all these things were done, and the heir of Isildur 
had taken up the lordship of men, and the dominion of the West had passed to him. Then it was made plain that the power of the three rings also was ended. And to the firstborn the world grew old and gray. In that time, the last of the Noldor set sail from the havens and left Middle-earth forever. And latest of all the keepers of the three rings rode to the sea, and Master Elrond took there the ship that Círdan had made ready. In the twilight of autumn it sailed out of Mithland, until the seas of the bent world fell away beneath it. And the winds of the round sky troubled it no more. And borne upon the high airs above the mists of the world, it passed into the ancient west. And an end was come for the Eldar of story and of song. What a wonderful ending. Because this is the story of the elves from the elves' perspective. And then, of course, the story of other individuals who play into it. This is where men show up and they do the things that they're going to do. Wizards show up and do the things they're going to do. But first and foremost, the Silmarillion this entire time has been a story about the elves. And for large portions of it, from the time that the Noldor leave Valinor to this very moment, a longing to return to their home. And finally, with the defeat of Sauron, the heir of Morgoth, basically, they could rest. Their work in Middle-earth was done, and those who stayed true, who, like Galadriel, denied the ring when it was presented, didn't fall into temptation, redeemed themselves for the fall of the elves that happened thousands of years before this, they were finally able to go home. And that's how the story ends. That's how the Silmarillion ends. So thank you for being here on this journey with me. It's kind of a a big moment, just like when I launched the show for the first time. And I, I, in that first episode, I talked about how this was kind of a, a lifelong project and to be through a major section of that uh, feels good. And I'm so glad that you're here with me on this adventure. And I can't wait to dig into some of the other things that have yet, we, we still have so much to uncover. So thank you for being here. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. If you're celebrating Thanksgiving in the U.S., I hope you're enjoying that with your friends and family. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.